Hello and welcome to this edition of Buried Treasure. I'm Lou Smoley, and with this program we begin yet another series, this one called The Other Four Seasons. Naturally, the series is in four parts, each featuring music of one of the seasons. Given our penchant for concentrating on lesser-known works that deserve a hearing, you will not hear any of Vivaldi's four seasons during this series. And you're not even going to hear Tchaikovsky's piano cycle called The Seasons, nor yet even Glazunov's work of the same title. Instead, we're going to play for you music that you might not be familiar with, but may well enjoy. So let's start out with music to celebrate the spring, this time for, for new beginnings. For spring symbolizes the idea of reawakening from winter's cold and often dark atmosphere to the reblossoming of the spirit that rejuvenation brings with it. It's probably the season most often treated in music, in fact, and probably for that reason. So sit back and enjoy the marvelous way that music can conjure up the joys and delights of spring. And we're going to start out with a composer who probably could be considered one of the best uh, to uh, try to recreate in music the natural surroundings that he was so familiar with. I'm speaking of Frederick Delius. Uh, he was often inspired by nature, and the work we're going to hear to begin the program, Spring Morning, was so inspired, but a, not a particularly familiar work from the many uh, that Delius wrote uh, about spring, of course the most famous being uh, Upon Hearing the First Cuckoo in Spring. We're not going to play that one, though, uh, given, again, our, our interest in bringing you new mu music that you may not be familiar with. And so Spring Morning. Uh, the symphonic work uh, is one of three tone poems that Delius wrote uh, in and around 1890. Uh, he was a mere 28 at the time, uh, and so naturally the music exudes that warmth, that rhapsodic, evocative quality that makes Delius' music so engaging. And we'll hear the Slovak Philharmonic, directed by John Hopkins, in a performance of Frederick Delius' Spring Morning.
What a wonderful way to open a program on spring with Delius's lovely Spring Morning, performed by the Slovak Philharmonic, directed by John Hopkins. One of the most prolific composers who wrote music about nature, yet with an oriental slant, was Alan Hovhannis. His second symphony, Mysterious Mountain, was played on a buried treasure program devoted to music about the mountains. But this time we're going to listen to an aria from an opera of his, which has a rather long title, The Tale of the Sun Goddess Going into the Stone House. Of course, Havanas wrote an enormous amount of music, and the opus number of his opera is 323. Hovannis' wife, the soprano Hinako Fujihara, wrote the libretto for this opera, uh, which is based upon Japanese mythology. It's about the sun goddess of Japan, Amaterasu Omikami, whose disappointment with the people caused her to shut herself up in a stone house, which in turn caused the world to become dark. But the people brought her back, causing the spring to come to earth. She sings, O joy at the dawn of spring, flowers are born again, my high heavenly hill rises above dark clouds of night, awake all forests and meadows green. Not only did uh, Ms. Fujihara, the composer's wife, write the text, but she also sings uh, this aria uh, from the opera, O joy at the dawn of spring. In this recording, she's accompanied by Scott Goff, the flautist with the Northwest Symphonia, directed by her husband, Alan Hovannis.
We just heard the music of Alan Hovannis, his aria, O Joy at the Dawn of Spring, from the opera, The Tale of the Sun Goddess Going into the Stone House. It was sung by Hinako Fujihara, the soprano, with the flautist Scott Goff and the Northwest Symphony, directed by the composer. Our next work was written by a Belgian composer, who is one, again, that many may not be familiar with, Ludovic Mortelmans. His dates are 1868 to 1952. Mortelmans was mostly known for his miniature works for piano and voice. In fact, he's been called the prince of the Flemish art song. But we came across a work of his that fits our subject. It's called The Myth of Spring, written in 1895. Again, a relatively early work for the composer. It's an orchestral poem that evokes the spirit of the season with the marvelous sonorities of its orchestration. Chromatic violins seem to whisper like the wind through the trees, a rare instance of the composer using sound imitation. So we'll hear the BRTN Philharmonic Orchestra of Brussels, directed by Fernand Terby, in The Myth of Spring by Ludovic Mortelmans. <laughs>
just heard The Myth of Spring, written in 1895 by the Belgian composer Ludovic Mortelmans, performed by the Belgian Radio and Television National Philharmonic Orchestra of Brussels, directed by Fernand Terby. The name of Zdenek Fiedisch has all but disappeared from concert programs since his death more than a century ago. Yet this major bohemian composer of the late 19th century, along with Josef Suk and Vyroslav Novak, carried on the tradition that began with Smetna and Dvorak in the bohemian region. And they all wrote some inspired music, particularly about nature. Fibish, The Romance of Spring, Opus 23, is a cantata about spring. Uh, he called it a symphonic picture, although he attached no story to it. It's a, basically a pastoral idol, which combines a compelling picture of nature's beauty in spring with a poetic expression of the awakening of the spirit of romance with the rejuvenation of nature. The work is Fiebich's most important vocal symphonic work. The exquisite poem of the work's title was written by Yaroslav Vritlitsky and is worth reading. There was once a magician. He had a castle of ice and wore a belt of hoarfrost, and his beard of snow was white. Twigs of fur were round his head and sundry withered flowers, and in his belt of fog there was snow in glittering crystals. One day he felt very lonely and cold in his cave underground. So out he went to discover the clouds and where they were bound. For he recalled having heard of lands where birds would sing in shrubs, and where in rivers reeds charming fairies would themselves hide, and where the sun throughout the day would not conceal his face, and where there'd be thousands of songs, sweet smells and starlets and flowers. He took up his mighty cudgel and closer wrapped round his cape, rejoicing at how he would press roses to shriveled lips. As he looked forward to flashes of bliss, when he would embrace those light-footed fairies, on in his sweet hope he plodded through many alien lands. Yet woe, what transfigurations! Before him even the sun turned cold, and as he touched the flowers, they only faded in his hands. Ice on the rivers, snow on the ground, wherever his roaming eye reached, waste only. Death can they see, and not a single fairy. The ancient ice, wherever he stepped, more hails and snows and frosts. The wizard then bursts out weeping and knocks his own head down. At once, warm breezes again are quick to play their games. Out of the old man's body, lo, behold, wonders. Up snowdrops white came. Out in the fields, the quails again call, and birds sing in groves, and meads stretch as if planted with daisies all along. And amidst the rushes, the fairies are twining their tresses again. The gloomy winter has perished. Oh, welcome, thou sweet May. Poetry of Yaroslav Rychlisky, which provides the text for Fivish's The Romance of Spring. 
The soloists are Nadia Shormova, the soprano, with Karel Prusha, the bass, the Prague Radio Chorus, and the Prague Symphony are directed by Frantisek Weinar.
We've just heard Zdenek Fibish's The Romance of Spring, Cantata Opus 23, was performed by Nadja Smornova, soprano with Karol Prusha, the bass, and the Prague Radio Chorus and Prague Symphony, directed by Frantisek Weinar. The French composer Albert Roussel wrote an intriguing commemoration of spring entitled Pour une fête de printemps, Opus 22. It was written just after the completion of the composer's second symphony in 1920. The very opening chord of this work, a kind of admixture of A and D-sharp majors, seems to disprove Roussel's claim that he never used bitonality in his music. But it does, that this convolution of two major chords, resolve into D major, so I suppose, and rather quickly. So I, su I suspect that uh, the composer could be permitted this one uh, deviation uh, from his uh, professed anti-bitonality. The work as a whole is one of Roussel's most joyous inspirations, full of fantasy, fresh and bright in character. The piece is in three sections with a slow middle section and the first part returning in inverse order at the end, building tension only to close quietly in the opening tempo. The ORTF National Orchestra is directed by Jean Martinon in the performance of Pour un Fête Printemps by Albert Roussel.
the music of Albert Roussel celebrating spring, his early orchestral poem, Pour un fête de printemps, was performed by the ORTF National Orchestra, directed by Jean Martinon. Few Western countries have taken to the seasons in music as much as China, with its deep appreciation of nature sourced in Buddhist principles. The overwhelming beauty of its vast terrain has often been the subject of art music. So in the next work, the Chinese composer Du Chaoqi took inspiration from the Xiangsu province of northern China, through which the Grand Canal runs from Peking to the sea at Hangzhou, and includes Shanghai and Nanking. Folk themes abound in this wonderful piece for violin and piano called Spring in Northern Kiangsu.
music of Du Jiaoxi, his Spring in Northern Xinjiang, was performed by Takako Nishizaki on the violin with Kukwakwen, the pianist. The Polish composer Zygmunt Stojowski was one of his country's most prominent composers in the post-romantic era. He studied in Paris after preliminary student years in Krakow and was greatly influenced by the music he discovered there. In fact, he dedicated the work we're going to hear, his Les Printemps, Opus 7, to one of his teachers, Leo Delib. Stoyovsky continues his studies after his Parisian experience with Jan Paderewski, who became his mentor and lifelong friend. The brief cantata Spring, Les Printemps, Opus 7, is a lighthearted work written during the composer's sojourn in Paris. The text is a French adaptation from Horace's fourth book of odes, uh, which Debussy used in his cantata of the same name. We hear the Podlasi Opera Orchestra and Chorus of Bialystok, directed by Marsan Natej Nesilovsky, in Les Printemps, Opus 7, by Zygmunt Stoyovsky.
music of the Polish composer Sigmund Stojowski, his Les Printemps, Opus 7, uh, which was performed by the Podlosti Opera Orchestra and Chorus in Bialystok, directed by Marsan Natej Desilovsky. We now turn to music of an American composer, one who is principally known for his major contribution to the literature of the music for wind band, which in fact is very much an American genre. Alfred Reed, who died nearly 10 years ago, wrote band works performed throughout the world. A native New Yorker, Reed studied under Louis Giannini at Juilliard. Yet it was a Japanese high school band that commissioned Reed to write a work for wind band that we're going to hear. It's called A Springtime Celebration. It was completed in 1990, uh, and its title says it all. An engaging work filled with exuberance and youthful enthusiasm. The work is performed by the Senzoku Gakuen Symphonic Wind Orchestra that, in fact, commissioned the work, uh, and it is conducted by the composer Alfred Reed.
A Springtime Celebration, work for wind band by Alfred Reed, was performed by the Senzoku Gakuen Symphonic Wind Orchestra, directed by the composer. Austrian-born Egon Velisch is yet another European composer from the 20th century whose music has unfairly and unfortunately been neglected, particularly after his death in 1974. At first a student at Schoenberg, Velisch went his own way, first studying music of the Middle Ages, particularly that of Byzantine church music. He left Vienna for England, where he settled in 1938. There, his talents were well recognized, uh, and the composer was highly rewarded as a result. His early orchestral piece, For Spring, Verfühling, is delightfully evocative of the emergence of spring from the stagnant confines of winter. We hear the Brandenburg State Orchestra of Frankfurt, directed by Nikos Athenaios, in Vorfühling, For Spring, by Egon Velisch. Thank you. 
work of Egon Velish is For Frühling, For Spring, Opus 12, written in 1912, was performed by the Brandenburg State Orchestra of Frankfurt, directed by Nikos Ateneos. As I mentioned earlier, Josef Suk, along with Fibish and Novak, were the leading Bohemian composers who followed after Smetna and Dvorak. Suk's piano cycle, Spring, Opus 22a, is itself a sequel uh, to the suite Summer Impressions, which we may play in our program on that season in this series. The entire cycle was written in 1902. It has five parts, and they are Spring, which opens with a fanfare that is the core of the entire cycle and contains a jubilant spring song and some impressionistic color in the accompaniment, sounding like rustling leaves. The second part is called The Breeze, soft, whispering tones, very impressionistic, yet unlike Debussy. The third, called Awaiting, contains a kind of nervous rhythmic pattern derived from the spring motive. The fourth piece has no title. In fact, it's only 21 bars. Uh, It has an improvisatory character, almost like a miniature drama. It calms down at the end and leads to the fifth and last of the pieces, called Longing. Its erotic quality is steeped in the spring motive, given rich harmonies. The key of D-sharp major was also used, as it is in this final uh, piece, uh, was used by Christian Sinding in his famous Russells of Spring, which we played during the series on Norway. So here is Pavel Stepan at the piano to perform the piano cycle Spring, Opus 22a, by Josef Suk.
just heard the piano cycle Spring by Josef Suk, performed by Pavel Stepan. The leading American composer, Roy Harris, wrote his orchestral work Kentucky Spring in 1949 on a commission from the Louisville Orchestra. I think it's worth uh, quoting the composer about the piece. Um, To him, the word Kentucky itself seems to mean springtime, for whenever he visited the state in his youth, as he said, the air has been soft and fragrant and filled with birdsong. The earth has been clothed in a riot of colors, and time seems to belong to the people instead of people belonging to time. Our recollections of Kentucky are filled with gaiety, good spirits, and large margins of living. The words of the composer Roy Harris about his Kentucky Spring, performed by the Louisville Orchestra, directed by Robert Whitney.
That was Kentucky Spring by Roy Harris. The Louisville Orchestra was directed by Robert Whitney. One of the group of five Russian composers that formed a circle in the late 19th century called the Mighty Handful, or more familiarly, the Russian Five, uh, contains the composer whose music we're going to hear now, Mikhail Ipolitanov Ivanov. Uh, we played some of his music, uh, along with, I believe it was Cesar Cui, another member of the Five, uh, during our program on lesser-known composers from that group. This time we're going to listen to uh, a work by Ipolitano Ivanov that was given the opus number one, uh, his Spring Overture from 1882. Uh, he was only in his early 20s at the time. Uh, and it makes ample use of folk song, beginning in moonlight with shadows passing over the woodlands of Yarkmel. A slow introduction is soon followed by an allegro that gives evidence of the young composer's talents. We'll hear the Slovak Radio Symphony of Bratislava, directed by Donald Johannes, in Yarkmel. Spring Overture Opus 1 by the Russian composer Mikhail Hippolitov Ivanov. Thank you. 
That was the music of the Russian composer Mikhail Ipolitov Ivanov. His Yar Kemel Spring Overture, Opus 1, was performed by the Slovak Radio Symphony, directed by Don- Donald Johanosch. Back to China for an orchestral piece called Happy Spring Evening by Chen Peijun. Beginning with the sound of chimes from a bell tower by the river, dotted with boats sailing in the evening sun, the work soon takes on the character of the moon rising in the east. The river is affected by gentle breezes, and the shadow of the moon covers the shadows of the flowers on the riverbank. People dance on the shore, and fishermen sing of their work. As the night draws on, people soon leave their boats and make their separate ways home. The Central Broadcasting Symphony Orchestra of Peking, directed by Yuan Fang, in Chen Pai Chun's Happy Spring Evening.
We've heard Happy Spring Evening by the Chinese composer Chen Peichung. It was performed by the Central Broadcasting Symphony Orchestra of Peking, directed by Yuan Fang. Hungarian symphonist Laszlo Loika is yet another 20th century composer unfairly overshadowed by the more famous names of composers from Eastern Europe. But his substantial number of works show a composer both independent and accessible. Uh, in fact, uh, of the many spring symphonies that I could have chosen to present on this program, other than the familiar ones such as Robert Schumann's first symphony, um, I've chosen Leuter's Spring Symphony. This is his fourth. It's Opus 52. Uh, it's in the usual fast, slow, fast order of movements. There are only three. Uh, many Hungarian or quasi-Hungarian folk tunes are interspersed throughout the work. Its orchestration is light and uncomplicated. The finale is a vigorous round dance overflowing with joy. And the outer movements are thematically related. And so let's listen to the fourth symphony, the Spring, Opus 52, by the Hungarian composer Laszlo Loita. It's performed by the Hungarian State Orchestra, directed by Janos Ferencik.
Symphony Number no. 4, The Spring, Opus 52, by the Hungarian composer Laszlo Loita, performed by the Hungarian State Orchestra, directed by Janos Ferencik. As a foretaste of music by our next composer, before we present uh, our next Buried Treasure program devoted to his symphonies, I'm including a work about spring by the notable German composer Joachim Roth. Ode to Spring for Piano and Orchestra, his Opus 76, was written in, in the mid-1850s. In fact, it antedates all of Roth's 11 symphonies, which we're going to hear uh, during uh, this upcoming program. Although the solo part for piano is rather demanding, the work glows with the effervescence of spring and reflects Roth's pastoral approach to its natural beauties. We hear Michael Ponte at the piano with the Hamburg Symphony, directed by Richard Capp.
music of the German composer Joachim Roth, his Ode to Spring for Piano and Orchestra, Opus 76, was performed by Michael Ponte at the piano with the Hamburg Symphony, directed by Richard Kapp. Another Hungarian-born composer, Karl Goldmark, was a contemporary of Brahms. He remained firmly ensconced in the Mendelssohnian tradition, even if occasional affectations of Wagner and Liszt do appear in his music. Goldmark, together with his brother Rubin, became two major conservative influences during the last part of the 19th century. At one time, Goldmark was known only for his Rustic Wedding Symphony, which itself is rarely played these days. Goldmark's Overture in Spring, Opus 36, was written in 1888. It begins with a lovely violin melody, contrasting with livelier music in a celebratory mood, during which a lark seems to ascend to the heights before a vivacious closing section. So let's listen to In Spring by Carl Goldmark with the National Symphony Orchestra of Ireland, directed by Stephen Gunzinghauser.
the music of Carl Goldmark. His overture in Spring was performed by the National Symphony Orchestra of Ireland, directed by Stephen Gunzenhauser. To close the program, I thought I'd hearken back to a work of which I had played only the final part during our panel discussion of composers conducting their own works. I'm speaking of Benjamin Britten's A Spring Symphony, which I think is the most glorious work written on this subject. Uh, it combines brilliantly conceived orchestral effects in perfect tune with the poetry to which it was written, with a bevy of springtime moods and ending with the anticipation of summer as the children's choir comes in, Summer is a in one of my favorite parts, possibly even in all music. The work is essentially a vocal symphony uh, written for soloists, chorus, and orchestra in 1949 uh, and based upon a, a string of, of uh, English poems. The first part uh, is based on an eight, a 16th century anonymous poem called Shine Out, Fair Sun, uh, and functions as an introduction. Uh, then we hear The Merry Cuckoo by Edmund Spencer, Spring by Thomas Nash, The Driving Boy, which consists of two poems, one by George Peel, who wrote in the 16th century, uh, and one by John Clare, whose dates are 1793 to 1864. And part one concludes with The Morning Star, uh, by John Milton. Part two opens with Welcome Maids of Honor, poetry of Robert Herrick. And then we hear a fascinating depiction of the poem by Henry Vaughan, Waters Above. Next, Out on the Lawn I Lie in Bed, W.H. Auden. And then we have part three. Uh, and this essentially consists of three sections. The first is based on the poem by Richard Barnefeld, When Will My May Come? The second, Fair and Fair, a wonderful shifting meter piece for two soloists. Uh, again, the poetry of George Peel. Then comes Sound the Flute. Uh, here, the poetry uh, of William Blake, uh, and the fourth and final part, London to thee I do present the merry month of May, uh, a fairly lengthy but wonderful anonymous poem uh, written in the 13th century. Uh, and following that, at the very end of the piece, we hear from Beaumont and Fletcher. And so, a spring symphony in its entirety by Benjamin Britten, Opus 44, sung by Jennifer Vivienne, Norma Proctor and Peter Pears, with the orchestra and chorus of the Royal Opera House, Covent Garden, chorus of boys from Emanuel School Wandsworth, conducted by Benjamin Britten.
If thou wilt come and dwell with me at home, my sheep God shall be stored with you in rushes. With all the trembling crickets and the roam about the fields along the hawthorn bushes, I have a piebald to hunt the hare, so we will live with dainty forest bears. When it pleases thee to walk abroad, abroad into the fields to take fresh air, the meat with flowers, treasure shall be strewn, the mantled meadows and the fields so fair. Well, with golden sands, I'll see it be done and wash thine ivory hands. But if thou wilt not pity my complaint, my tears no vulgar rose may do thy beauty. What shall I do but languish thy offense? Since thou dost go, my tears and soul is duty. And tears contempt, vows and oaths must fail, for when tears cannot, nothing can prevail. Change. 
just heard Spring Symphony by Benjamin Britten, performed by Jennifer Vivienne, Norman Proctor, Peter Pears, the orchestra and chorus of the Royal Opera House Covent Garden, the chorus of boys from the Emanuel School Wandsworth, all under the direction of the composer. And so we end the first part of our four-part series, The Other Four Seasons, a tribute to spring. In future, we will post the programs devoted to the other seasons at about the time uh, that each particular season begins. But next time, as I hinted earlier, we'll venture into the symphonies of Joachim Roth, one of the lesser-known but still important German symphonists of the 19th century. Until then, this has been Lou Smoley, wishing you, as always, great adventures exploring the buried treasures of classical music.